0: What you typically get out the gates from many people is you have to be Pan-African day one. But it's just non-trivial, right? And a lot of the stuff that we're trying to solve at Stitch is to enable people uh, to plug into us and they won't have to worry about these geographic complexities. These are very relevant Pan-African problems. But you do need to sink your teeth into one market and then you do need to work out some sort of model and scale from there.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Julie H. Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from Fintech Today, where we talk about all things fintech. In this episode, I am joined by Kian Pele of Stitch Money and API Fintech based in South Africa. And we we have not had uh, fintech companies from Africa on that much. We had Weza. Uh, on from a chipper a few months ago. Um, but I love learning about what's going on in its ecosystem because I just find it super fascinating. So Keon, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, very excited to be on. Um, we are big fans of yours. Uh, we watched, uh, we were, we we're friends of Weezer as well <laughs> and we were very excited uh, that, that he managed to get on and we were a bit jealous. So ha- happy to there be we here. There you go.
1: Now it all came full circle then. So tell me a little bit about Stitch Money because I have heard a little bit about you guys from Charlie Ma, one of our FTT experts who is also an investor in you guys. Uh, but I would love to dive a little bit deeper on that first.
0: Yeah absolutely. Um, So yeah at Stitch um, we essentially provide a set of developer tools and APIs and really the idea is to make it easy for uh, apps to connect to financial accounts Um, and broadly across African markets. um, Really, with the idea to make it uh, simple for developers to build and scale financial products I think there is somewhat uh, of a cheesy narrative in the world at this point um, that, uh, you know, 20 20 years ago, it was really difficult to build internet businesses, right? Uh, And, you know, you had to mount server racks yourself and you had to build like, you know, card and SMS. And then, you know, all these great API companies came about such as, um, you know, AWS and Stripe and Twilio um, and made it really easy to build internet businesses. And I think the likes of... Plaid and Tink and Trulair um, really opened up the ability to build financial businesses uh, in Western markets, in the U.S. and in European markets. Um, and in most cases, and I, and I hate to generalize and say in Africa, um, but, but in, in most African markets, it is still ludicrously difficult to build um, any sort of financial business. Um, You're still doing it in in many ways. Um, how it was done 15 years ago by like knocking on the door of a bank and like, like having to handle the <laughs> compliance yourself. Um, and so really that's what we do. Uh, we we kind of want to be a single point of access that people can just plug into us and, and out, out, out the box they can kind of get going.
1: So you actually, you led me into something else that I wanted to ask about is like, which areas of Africa are you guys in? Um, I know it's part of South Africa, but there's obviously many different markets there. And how did you go about choosing that? Because like you mentioned, it's very different from market to market. It's not just like Africa as a whole.
0: Yeah, so a great question. Um, I think we have always viewed this as a very pan-African opportunity. Uh, uh, myself and a bunch of the team have spent a lot of time in, in many African markets, Um To date, uh, and this is a very well-timed question, um, uh, up up until today, we were only live in South Africa, Um, so uh, we started in South Africa, and I think primarily just because most of us are South African, we are in South Africa, um, I I think, uh, you know, largest financial market in Africa, so it is a really interesting market um, to start and to go deep in. We have just announced that we've launched in Nigeria today, um, which, uh, you know, is a fantastic market and a fascinating market for many reasons. Like tremendous fintechs uh, coming out of the market, um, huge amount of venture capital coming to the market. And you're seeing you know, fintech start and scale really quickly. Um, so for now, um, in South Africa, I have just announced Nigeria today. But plan to be in uh, what we consider uh, some of the the uh, at least five major markets in Africa by end of next year. So South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, Ghana and Egypt by end of next year.
1: And how did you go about choosing those? Are they just markets that you saw like the, the biggest need and the um, you know biggest market potential, I guess?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think a few things. I think... Um, what, uh, why Africa uh, or African markets are so interesting to kind of choose from or so difficult is that they're so unique. Every market has a different level of maturity in terms of uh, how much adoption there is for financial accounts, how digital people are, uh, what cash penetration is like, uh, regulation. Um, so for a few things, I think one and perhaps uh, an overarching one we use in all markets is in all of those markets, you actually just see a tremendous amount of uh, fintechs being started uh, in all of these markets, right? And I think, uh, you know, one, it's a huge challenge to just start, uh, as mentioned for the compliance infrastructural, you know, sort of cost reason. But two, being able to scale them um, is non-trivial, right? Like to scale in an individual market is non-trivial. And if you want to go pan-African, you know, even more complex. Um, And one thing that, you know, we particularly want to solve is that we handle that complexity, right? Like people build and out the gates day one, they can just talk to, talk to us and we'll be able to solve some of these problems for them. So particularly, you know, the two developers in their room right now sitting and trying to build something, you just see a huge amount of activity and a lot of that has to do with Um, The maturity in many cases of developers, uh, right, like uh, the years of experience of developers in all of those markets is actually just in in most cases a tick above other African markets. Um, And so you do just see a lot more um, financial applications being started there, uh, which is just like where we typically see most of our success uh, and early adopters.
1: So you speak about adopters quite a bit, you know, in the US, fintech was almost like sort of slow to take off, people were like, well, it's my money, like, do I really want to trust these people to, you know, handle it? And I'm I'm obviously speaking mostly on the B2C side, but B2B often is intertwined with how much is going on in the B2C space as well, like Plaid wouldn't have been quite as successful if fintech wouldn't have been a, a big thing for consumers. What does adoption look like in different areas of Africa?
0: Yeah. Great question. Um, So I think completely case by case, um, right? Like South Africa um, actually has huge bank adoption. South Africa in many ways uh, looks very similar to the States. uh, We're actually over 80% uh, bank penetrated, which is huge compared to other African markets. Um, So in SA, in many cases, you do see a huge population that are banked. You see a huge population that are digitally transacting and making payments. Um, In Kenya, um, you know, you see, uh, and pesa which is like one of the greatest, you know, fintech success stories in the world, um, right? Everybody um, is, is digitally transacting there. I think Nigeria is a fascinating market where um, there are a variety of ways that people transact uh, right there. There is a large bank population, um, very rapidly growing uh, fintech adoption across uh, all the like big buckets in, in you know, um, fintech products, lending, savings, crypto, investments, person to person, Um so uh, I think you see it case by case. Um, what's so What's so fascinating is um, a- adoption doesn't just mean bank and it doesn't just mean fintech, right? Like like Kenya is such a great example of this where it is a completely thriving financial digital ecosystem and like bank is a very small, uh, y- you know, portion of that, right? It's Pesa, it is mobile money. Um, and so like really case by case uh, in many markets, you know, There are three, four, five different ways people can transact, um, but really like market to market dependent.
1: So you you've done a very good job of leading me into my next questions. I promise this was not planned or anything, but uh, but uh, but crypto you mentioned. What does uh, adoption look like for crypto NFTs and all of that over there? Because obviously in the US, it's this really big thing right now. But I I haven't really checked out if people in Africa are, you know, minting their own NFTs and like making accounts on Coinbase or like the Coinbase equivalent in Africa.
0: Yeah, 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 great, great question. Um, so uh, I, I, I'd probably be speaking out of turn if I spoke to every market. Uh, but in some of the markets, you know, that, that we spend a lot of time in, this huge crypto adoption. Um, uh, a few years ago, uh, it was reported that South Africa was one of the largest crypto markets, uh, in the world per uh, like per capita. Uh, like one in every, uh, you know, however many South Africans. I think we actually wow. had 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 the highest number. Um. I believe, and again, I might be speaking out of turn, that uh, Nigeria uh, was one of the top five largest cryptocurrency markets in the world, um, sort of um, at the start of this year. Uh, so you do see huge adoption, um, not only from uh, like individuals that are doing it uh, in a decentralized and person-to-person way, but you do get like a, t- a ton of uh, really sizable, um, you know, players in the market. Luno um, uh, is one of the largest players um, in. Well, well, LUNO actually are like one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world, full stop. Um, but their largest um, market is South Africa. Uh, and I, I believe they do a huge amount of volume through Nigeria as well. So a huge amount of adoption. Um, what is really interesting, and like Nigeria specifically, um, had uh, this massive uh, crypto population, um, but had huge regulation put in place that uh, stopped... Um, centralized exchanges from operating um, and over the night night you see like this huge step change in actually how easy it is to operate uh, with what you know is meant to in many ways open up a financial um, product and ecosystem and you just see that in many African markets and I, I think that that's actually one of the nuances and like you know plays to the fragmentation that regulation is just different in every market right and you think crypto you think bitcoin Um, it's obviously more complicated than this, but it, you know, it's trying to unlock things and open things up, but you see like a regulator in one market, you know, come in and stamp their foot. Um, it gets very challenging in some cases. Um, so it is large, but not without hiccups, but I suppose that does happen in sort of every market.
1: I, I suppose you're probably right. Um, you know, sticking on the, the various market trends, people like to throw around like plaid for X or even like plaid for X country quite a bit. Does like does that hold true in all parts of Africa? Are you really seeing that like it's certain parts and that's why you're taking like this, you know, country by country approach?
0: Yes, I think we've historically tried to uh, stay away um, for from like, you know, the, the plaid for X or the plaid for Africa, Um I'm probably the biggest fanboy out there of, of Plaid, um, so cer- certainly actually like are flattered in many ways of the comparison, but I, I think um, just misses some of the nuance in, in, in many of these markets, right? I think um, it is fair in some markets, and, and I think we we shied away from it, but it's probably most fair in South Africa, um, right? Like South Africa is over 80% banked, like we actually look very similar to the U.S., and what we do in South Africa is we just connect to bank accounts, right? Um, which is very similar, obviously, to what plaids do in the States. Um, I think when you start to look, you know, one, there are 54 African markets, right? Like when you when you talk about like like scaling pan-African, there are just so many geographies. Um, and there are so many different kinds of financial accounts. Um, it can almost be a bit reductive to look at it as like a plaid for X. Um we simply we, we do definitely see merit in being, hey, we want to be the connectivity if you want to talk to us. And we're able to connect to, you know, four or five, six, you know, um, d- different types of institutions. Um, but I think, you know, there's, you know, mobile money, there's bank, um, you know, there's walleting solutions. There are the fintechs themselves that in many cases people use them um, from the first time as they go to cash to digital for the first time. People often use fintechs as like a store of value, right? like before they go to a bank. Um, so I think we we are away from it a little bit uh, just because there's such uh, nuance in each of these markets. Uh, I think it certainly resonates with, um, you know, the access connectivity piece and making it easy for people to do this. Um, but but the direct connection to, to like bank or investment accounts um, falls a little bit short uh, on some of the African context.
1: What do investors who are now, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, like Africa is a very hot market as it was not, you know, even just a few years ago, what do investors still not get about the African ecosystem though?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, I I actually have been, um, if people, if you asked me this question like uh, six months ago or six months before that, I'd have different answers. And I've actually been very impressive how quickly people uh, have got up to speed with a lot of um, the, the African context and nuance. Um, I think what you do see sometimes um, and where, where it's different is exactly what I just mentioned now uh, on the last question, right? It's um, an exceptionally large continent, 54 markets. Um, and I think what you typically get out the gates from many people is you have to be Pan African day one. Right. Um, and I completely appreciate that. And I do understand that sentiment. Um, the reality is you probably can't build, you know, the 50 billion dollar um, fintech in, you know, Ghana alone. Right. You probably do want to um, scale into many markets. Um, but it's just non-trivial. Right. And that's I think a lot of the stuff that we're trying to solve at Stitch is to enable people uh, to plug into us and they won't have to worry about these geographic complexities. Um But there is just a certain baseline that is just it's challenging to to scale into these markets. Um, I used to be uh, at a pan-African API company before this, Smile Identity, and um, we had the same issues, right? Like we totally believed, um, you know, at Stitch and at Smile that, you know, these were very relevant pan-African problems. But you do need to sink your teeth into one market and then you do need to work out some sort of model and scale from there. So I think sometimes those expectations can be off at how quickly you can scale Pan-Africa and and we hope to to, um, kind of smooth some of that over. And I do actually think to like counter some of that, um, you actually have seen huge businesses built in single markets, right? Um, They might not look quite traditionally venture backed in some cases, but... Fauri in Egypt, Impesa in Kenya, right? Those are cases that prove like you can actually build really large fintechs in single markets. Um, so I think sometimes that's mistaken too. And then I also think maybe just some of the understanding around um, like really early stage t- stuff specifically. I think you're you're getting to the point now where actually where you know a lot of businesses are proving themselves and are raising these you know fifty hundred million dollar uh, uh, rounds which are phenomenal. Um, but there just isn't as prominent of an angel ecosystem uh, or like pre-seed angel type ecosystem here because you haven't had a huge amount uh, of exits or success stories where people can start giving back. Um, and I think that starting now, we have a, a bunch of angels that have been at, you know, successful African fintechs, which we're incredibly proud of, um, but it's still very nascent and that isn't completely distributed throughout the ecosystem or is isn't distributed um, even evenly um, in terms of geographies. Um, so that is so like actually going from zero to like a little bit of capital to get off the round, it's just very challenging.
1: And you know what is the fundraising environment? You guys have raised like a couple of rounds at this point, still like very very early days. But you have raised some money at like different points. How has that changed over the past six to twelve months? Because you, like you mentioned in the the start of your answer to that last question, if I would have asked you what investors do and do not get about the environment, you know, a year ago it'd be very different than what it is today.
0: Yeah, so this is, um, so we've been around for um, like plus minus two years. I I think uh, we've had such a interesting lens on this. So we've uh, raised a little bit of money uh, almost equally in six month increments uh, o- over those two years. So, <laughs> so we did a pre-seed and then we did, uh, you know, like, like an angel type round, safe type round six months after that. And then we officially did a seed six months after that. And then we did an extension of the C six months after that. Um, And so uh, I when we started, um, you know, we know a bunch of people that really struggle to raise money. We got very lucky and we raised money, um, I think, in, you know, what I would only define as a bit of an unfair advantage, because I had spent quite a lot of time in San Francisco um, and. Almost all of our money in our pre-seed round came from uh, investors that I had known uh, from networks there or directly from uh, Smile Identity, which is uh, the company that I used to work at. Um, And specifically, those were African-focused investors, right? Um, There are maybe, you know, a handful, five, you know, two years ago of like funds that just did Africa. Um, you know a few of them participated in our pre-seed round and that was it right I think they're you know really high caliber funds uh, but those were the people you talk to Um, six months after that we almost entirely raised uh, a a small round just from angels uh, right and very interestingly um, they were angels of successful fintechs right Um, it was you know the founder of Venmo, some of the founding team at Plaid, some of the founding team at Revolut, um, uh, and I thought that was quite interesting that there was this like cabal of uh, you know fintech <laughs> operators that were suddenly saying, "Hey, something in Africa is interesting," um, and then six months after that, we raised our seed round and. We, we definitely had more access to just, you can talk to the African investors, but there was a ton of hesitation, right? Like we actually did talk to um, uh, quite a few firms and there are, there are a lot of people that look at this and say, we just don't quite get Africa yet, um, but we did have a much easier round then. And then, you know, fast forward six months, everybody wants to invest in Africa. Um, uh, all of a sudden, like all of the interest is inbound, um, I, I think. Everybody is looking to understand Africa. People are very honest um, about uh, their understanding and how they want to get involved, which I think is just great. Um, and that's been amazing. Like, just, you know, uh, like, top tier uh, USBCs uh, already starting to look at the continent. I, I only, um, you know, expect that to increase, um, which has just been uh, incredible watching that, that journey um, and, and just like see it open up a ton.
1: So if anyone wants to find out more about what you guys are up to or just, you know, follow along on your journey, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, so um, I definitely go to our website. We just uh, released a new website today. uh, So stitch.money or you can follow us on Twitter at stitchmoneyhq, um, where we have just started getting good about posting updates. Um, So (laughs) Those are probably uh, the best two spots to find us.
1: Awesome. And if anyone wants to follow along on broader fintech Africa and elsewhere in the world, go to fintechtoday.co and sign up for our newsletter. Otherwise, Kian, thank you so much for joining us. This was great.
0: Thanks, Judy. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me.